0: Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson. I'm an assistant professor of pastoral ministry and author-in-residence at Midwestern Seminary. And I'm here today with my friend, uh, the other Ronnie, or or should I say my regular Ronnie is the other Ronnie. I'm not sure. I'm here with Ronnie Martin, who is the lead pastor and founding pastor of Substance Church, In Ashland, Ohio, as well as a uh, podcaster with the Happy Rant, and oh, he 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 messes around with the high muckety mucks at the Harbor Network. I guess you are kind of the high muckety muck. What do you do? (laughs) What do you do? Does the Harbor Network have like a president? Is there there a president of the Harbor Network? Is there a CEO?
1: Yeah, well, there's a um, there's a president of the board, and then there's an executive director who's kind of the guy that sort of you know runs the day in and day out.
0: Yeah. And uh, but your your role there is like pastor to pastors. Is that right? Are you some sort like pastoral care director or something?
1: Yeah, it's basically a director of leader renewal. So it's kind of like it's kind of like what you do uh, for Midwestern with like less formal teaching.
0: I got you. I got yeah. you. So, so you're you're a professor of pastoral ministry for
1: the
0: <laughs> for the network
1: <laughs> for the network with, without being a professor. Yeah.
0: yeah, and you're also an author in residence. I shouldn't give you short shrift there as well. You've written a few books, including an Advent book, which would be uh, timely to mention today. What's the name of your your Advent book?
1: Yeah, it's an Advent book for kids called "The Best Gift Ever Given," and probably you probably got about a minute left to order that thing and get it in time to. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, this is coming out.
0: I think on Christmas or before, right before Christmas. So uh, you'll get it for next year if you if you if you don't have it.
1: And it's okay if you miss a few days. You know, you can yeah. pick right back up with it. It goes day to day. Every day kind of stands on its own, and there you go. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you're here, and
0: the reason you're here is not for any of that stuff we, that we just mentioned. <laughs> well, maybe for the maybe the Advent thing, I guess a little bit. But you're, you know, the most important title that you carry, at least today, is Mr. Christmas yes you're kind of mr christmas and, and and so uh we've had you on i think this is the third year in a row we're, we're, we're you know we're making this an annual feature I, I i know off offline you said you know i can talk about other things maybe you want to have me on another episode and and uh and, and we could do that you know i, I don't want to you know hurt your feelings I, but uh to be known as mr all. christmas is not a bad thing at all
1: i mean it's probably what i aspire to more than <laughs> anything else so if if it's the only podcast I do all year, I think I would die a happy, a happy Kringle.
0: No, know? I mean, you're doing you're doing a million podcasts. I see you like you, you're <laughs> aside from being Mr. Christmas. You're Mr. Podcast. So I have two. You have like eight podcasts going.
1: I don't Which, have eight. I have three. OK, you know? well, and with out of it. I mean, I have one with or I allegedly have one with you. I guess we're that's gonna correct. Figure that out.
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we, we do have one called the Art of Pastoring. I guess we could put a little plug in for that. The first season is sure. fully available now on the Christianity Today uh, podcast platform. Second season is "quote unquote" in the works. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's uh, in it our is,
1: minds. It is it's in my our mind. hearts. <laughs> it's in my heart too.
0: Yeah, but it's uh, it's it's not yet on uh, on wax or what? I don't know. What do you say yeah, in the podcast absolutely. world? Not really
1: yeah, and it's not on wax. I like that. Let's roll yeah. with that.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, eventually we'll we'll get it on wax our uh, our producer uh the great and illustrious Mike Cosper has had a a few uh other things that have sort of been occupying his time lately
1: I think he started a podcast but I have no I don't have any recollection what the name is yeah I
0: think it. I think there's some other podcast that uh, he's given his attention to but uh we'll for- we'll wait when that one runs its course people are really tired of that whole thing. maybe we'll get our uh, our second season underway there we go yeah there it is. Hey, tell me brother um Okay, how did your affection for Christmas? I mean, we're joking around. You're Mr. Christmas, but you are kind of Mr. Christmas. How did this? How did this begin? I'm assuming this is a childhood thing, but you know what? You're like 63 years old now. How, oh my how,
1: gosh, I feel 63. <laughs> I feel 63. Yeah, just the I'm wind, barely huh? out of my 40s. Can I just phrase it like that? Okay, barely. 40s, yeah. that's good. Yeah. Yeah. How did the uh,
0: the uh, affection or the affinity for Christmas begin for you?
1: I think my parents just went overboard on Christmas yeah. and they they just kind of went for it. And I don't know where that came from other than I know a little bit about my mom and my dad's past. And it was basically my dad grew up. He was born. He was like a, a post-depression baby. OK. Born in the 30s. Right. You know, World War II, And Christmas almost didn't exist for him. And so, and then I know my mom, who was born on the East Coast. I know that her mom, um she came from a divorced family, just did Christmas, went bonkers on it. Yeah, so she went she went crazy, and he just didn't really they didn't have any money to do Christmas because he was kind of had a po- poverty upbringing. So when they came together, I don't know, I wasn't there, right? I have an older brother and sister, but when they came together and they started having kids, Something happened between the two of them where it was like, we are just going to create the Christmases for our kids, maybe from my dad's perspective, that he never had. And then with my mom, it was like, I just want to keep this going, but let's just double down and and go crazy with it. Go magical with it. Yeah. (laughs) So by the time I came into the picture, I got an older brother and sister who are about a decade older than me. By the time I came into the picture, I mean, they had this thing running full bore. Yeah, I mean, it was just it was going. So all of my recollections of Christmas from an early age are just I mean, it was the it was the magic time of the year and it was the magical morning.
0: Yeah. Well, describe that. I mean, explain that. Like, what is going bonkers look like? What did the magic? This was uh, Southern California, I think. Yeah. Right yeah, yeah. You, uh, so not a very Christmassy environment, I would guess. Yeah. You know, Probably not a lot of white Christmases and <laughs> sleigh rides and drinking white by, by,
1: by not a lot,
0: <laughs> that would be zero. Zero, okay. Well, sometimes, yeah. you know, I don't know if you go up in the mountains or, or whatever.
1: Yeah, we didn't really do that. We were we yeah. stayed, so we were near the beach, you know, so you're not getting, like weather-wise, you're not, you're not getting the mood. So there's, yeah. so you almost, it, it's interesting you say that because uh, Melissa and I were talking about this, my wife and I, the other day where – you have to work really hard in those areas in those states where you don't get the natural cold weather and like you know winter wonderland, snow. You have to work really hard to kind of create that mood because you just, it's not there weather-wise. And so that may have been one of the things that they did, which was they just went over the top decorating the house. We would get these, we had these high ceilings growing up. They would get these bonkers, like 15 foot high trees (laughs) every year. And they would get the biggest one we could find. And so my memory is that as soon as the season hit, the preparations for the big day just began and they just really never stopped until Christmas morning. And I think there was just a level of extravagance. So I kind of came up with it. In sort of like a, in, it was it was not like well we we don't want to spend too much we we we're gonna we're gonna need to watch ourselves we're gonna need to I mean my dad probably went like literally thousands of dollars in the, into debt like every <laughs> every year to do Christmas and again I'm not recommending that but right. I think they just they threw abandon to the wind mm-hmm. to create something for us that for whatever reason they felt compelled to do and everything was just, it was abundance. So there was no frugality, there was no saving money. There was like, all right guys, pick two gifts each. It was like, no. Yeah. I mean, it was, and in some ways, at, how can I say this? Because it it, it kind of puts me into this like place where it's like, gosh, you sound like the most spoiled kid in the world. And it's like, it sounds like that, but it, it like we did, our regular lives weren't really like that. It right. they almost saved everything for this one time of the year. It was yeah. weird. The rest of the year wasn't like that. It wasn't extravagance. So I don't know.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, so for you, was this a, a continual thing even into your uh, you know adulthood? You know, you have a daughter. Or did it sort of come later like, oh, I, I want to recapture that? Or was it just, man, you hit the ground running and you were in the same vein all along?
1: Okay, so here's the deal. You know, like when you get older and you get into your later teenage years and those things start to wane a little bit. Yeah. Like if, if you have older teenage kids, it's not that they don't love Christmas, but I always think of them as being at the least Christmassy time of their life. They have so many other things going on in their lives and, and things are just starting to begin for them in terms of their adulthood. And so we kind of had that period where me and my brother, we were a little bit older and Christmas was still a big deal, but it was waxing and waning a little bit. And then when I got married in my early twenties, um, I told my wife, Melissa, I said, I I want to I want Christmas to return. I want, I want us just to make, I want us just to go for it every year. I mean, let's (laughs) learn from our parents. We don't need to go into like massive debt and all those kinds of things. But I said, let's just, let's just enjoy it to its fullest. Let's just drink it all in. Let's take every tradition and let's just double down on it and enjoy it and and just be lavish about it in the best way that we are able to and know how. And she was all about it. Like she just yeah. said, "Yeah, I like that. Let's let's do it. let's do it. I'm all in on it." You know. Yeah. Well, and then obviously for you,
0: it it's gone, you know, much more beyond mm. just the the festivity of it or the extravagance of the gift-giving. I, um I'm I'm a you know, huge into the gift-giving thing. As well. I remember, you know, probably, oh, I don't know, 10 years or so ago, there was really kind of a, you know, there were these kind of hand wringing Christians that were coming along, <laughs> like, ah, you know, I don't know about, g- you shouldn't give gifts, you know, because it's just consumerism and, yeah. you know, there's, you know, poor people and all these sorts of things. And like, like, you really, you know, bless their hearts kind of deal. But it was like, you had to feel, you felt guilty if you gave your kids presents for a few years because, there were these like emerging church, you know, early hipsters that were like, ah, you should every, you should just hand make everything, you know?
1: Yeah. Hopefully kind they disappeared.
0: <laughs> I, I don't, I don't hear too much from those guys in, um, anymore, but in any event, it, it, it's, it's beyond that for you. Obviously there is a, you know, the spirituality yeah. of, you know, uh, what we commemorate and in the incarnation of the season and, and that sort of thing. Um, how have you now expanded beyond just the, you know, trimming the tree and the decorations to make this a meaningful, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure Advent, you know, observing uh, yeah. Advent has to do with this, but how do you now, you know, for lack of a better word, you know, theologize what is taking place, uh, from this childhood, uh, you know, enjoyment yeah. of gifts, that sort of thing.
1: I think, yeah, I think that just comes with spiritual maturity, you know, I mean, uh, so, gosh, you know, Melissa and I, we call her Big M. So Big M and I, I mean, we, we make the most of the season. Our, you know, our kid is old now and out of the house, but we still do it up, you know, to the best of our ability because we love it. But I think what's so funny about it, what's changed now about it is that we talk about it from a different perspective. Um, as the Lord has grown us, we consider sort of, we, you know, as we're giving gifts, as we're decorating the tree, as we're taking place in all these social activities, we're, we're looking at it differently. We're considering it differently. We're considering it in light of the way the Lord cares for us, the way the Lord gives back, um, Mm -hmm. not gives back, but gives to us. And I think it just has become more richer, you know, Mm -hmm. throughout the years because the conversations we have about it, I think they're, they're more, they're, uh, we we find ourselves being not just simply reflective, but but far more thankful. And yeah. so I think thankfulness has had a big part of how we see the year um, and and how we spend the end of the year looking back and using Christmas as the time to say, you know, the Lord has just done some really amazing things. There's been some really hard times. There's been some difficult seasons in the past 12 months, but we constantly are reminding each other in the season Um you know, of the way that the Lord has just been gracious. And it just, I'm telling you, every year it feels like it gets, it just grows in its depth for us, even though we don't we don't lessen up on all the traditions. Yeah. So I think as we've grown in the Lord, the Lord has even made those traditions go deeper for us, right?
0: Yeah, there's something I think just to holidays in, in general, not just Christmas. I I don't know. Um especially in this sort of, um, you know, time that we're in, I don't, you know, I know we talked about, you know, COVID Christmas last Christmas. So I don't want to,
1: yeah. you know,
0: double, you know, double back on, on that whole thing and rehash that, but not just Christmas, but because of how life is, there's something about the holidays There's something about Thanksgiving, even I would say even Valentine's and Halloween. And it's just, it, it it's a, a disruption of, of ordinary time. Yeah. You know, obviously these holidays are overrun with consumerism and we could very easily treat them as sort of, you know, narcissistic or um, indulgent, you know, uh, you know, worldliness, I I suppose. But there's also something about just the enchantment, the the resonance of of love, of family, of, uh, you know, it's things that just they slow us down or they can. I guess they don't for everybody, but they you know slow us down they make us think beyond just the day in day out drudgery of life there's something special there's a special day that we're going to focus on love on february 14th there's a special day where we you know we're going to focus on family on on you know thanksgiving there's a special day yeah. or season where we're going to think about giving and and, yeah. and of course the you know the you know the first coming of christ and that sort of thing there's just something about holidays i think that serve, if if we you know observe them well, that kind of serve to kind of like bring a reenchantment into this yeah, very disenchanted yeah. world. That's a great um, line. But I think for a lot of us, this is kind of my next question for you. Uh, for a lot of us, each Christmas comes and we have this high expectation of, oh, this is going to be the one, right? I I just <laughs> I'm going to be walking with my love on you know down the. <laughs> You know the the uh, Christmas lights, you know village, with you know arms linked in a cup of hot cocoa, and the the snow will begin to fall. You know, <laughs> very you know drift slowly down, and the the Hallmark Christmas movie. We know everyone's gonna be living in Vermont for you know for <laughs> two days of their life and then it comes and goes and you're looking at all the unwrapped presents and the s- toys that the kids aren't playing with and yeah. all the, all the dishes you got to wash and <laughs> all the, all the bills you got to pay and yeah and there's just something like it didn't it didn't <clears throat> click how how do we keep christmas even from um being a disappointment and and can't i mean maybe we can't i don't know but how how do we right size it in such a way that it still brings enchantment into our world Without further serving our disenchantment, I guess when it's all when it's all over.
1: No, that's really a good question. I you you know, I, I got to say this. You know, I I work really hard at, at Christmas. <laughs> okay, I know you do, so, brother. Like you're reading you, Christmas novels, <laughs> you're. Like you, you, do Christmas, you are, Mr. Christmas. We, we do a Christmas book club for crying yeah, okay. out loud. Um, <laughs> I've never been invited into the Christmas well, book club. I would love you to be a part of oh, it. Oh, this
0: is we, a local I, thing. You do it it's live. A,
1: well, we have oh, people that said. come out of state for it now. That's how big it's oh, gotten. Good so, Okay. Yeah, you could be one of those people. I don't know if you okay. want to travel that far, but um <laughs> I'd love to have you. um I, I mean, it's like anything else. You know, when you think of any holiday or you think of any season in your life, you, you know, although the Lord, you know, showers us with grace upon grace and new morning mercies there's still you know as humans we're we're still fighting with that that sense of despondency and dis because and disappointment because we look around us and we see that things are not what they should be and i think christmas you know uh, christmas can um you know kind of punctuate that quite a bit and so um you know for me i'm somebody who loves the season Um, As I've grown older, as the Lord has matured me a little bit more, um, I think some of the realities that are, I think, more visible now um, in my life, you know, Chris, you know, they can they can seek to kind of unwind those things that were that that we're enjoying so much around certain holidays. And I think it just it just presses us to focus back on Jesus because it it shows you just sort of the fragility of, of things i mean christmas is a fragile holiday right we're we're sort of we're we're propping something up that can't sustain itself if it only finds its grounding in all of the traditions that that we kind of create around it to you know support it mm-hmm. and but christmas is actually really fragile and when you think about even the birth of christ it was such a fragile moment and i think if we can just if we can go a little bit deeper and remember the fragility of the birth of christ and the fragility that we just you know inhabit as as people i mean any i mean i forget who said this it was a preacher but he said you know we're everybody's a phone call away you know from the worst news of their life and we don't know when that's going to happen or when it'll strike and i think christmas highlights that a, a little bit but it also gives us a picture for the glory to come you know so it it highlights the fragility But then it also it it also puts an exclamation point on God's faithfulness and the glory that is to come. And I think if we can rightly sort of shift our thinking in it and we can allow it to upset our routine in a great way, um, I think it I think it will establish something or at least a moment in our lives that that the Lord can create. Um, just a, a just a greater sense of hope. I, I think a lot of people struggle with Christmas because it's what you just said, which I thought was really insightful. It's such a disruption to our routine. I mean, it really there's no other holiday that does that like Christmas. And people are just like, can we just get back to n- normal life? Can can, you know, can the stores start start playing regular music? Can everything <laughs> not be so just you know, just swimming and drowning in all of the tinsel and all of the lights and and I think, yeah, I mean, I understand that by the time January comes around, I mean, even me, even Mr. Christmas, I'm I'm ready for life to get back to normal. <laughs> but I hope that I go back a little bit differently than I, I I came into it. I hope that God used it to change me and to offer just a, you know, even just a, a thread of hope that maybe didn't exist before I entered into the holidays. Just to remind me of my fragility, God's faithfulness, and to ground me in hope as I enter— the new year, a new year that is so unknown. Um, and so fearful for me, I'm yeah. sure for the new year, just like everybody else, I'm afraid of what might be coming. And so I, I want that grounding. I just want that thread of hope that, that Christmas reminds me of. But...
0: Yeah. Well, it, you know, to me that just the transitory, you know, nature of it, um, we see every year, I think more and more people begin to try to get into Christmas mode mm. early, you know, like, you know, totally. My, my pastor for instance is is very adamantly against uh, playing Christmas music <laughs> until after the day after Thanksgiving. He's like that's when it can begin. And I think that's in in his mind like, oh gosh, you're starting too early. You're getting, you know. But I think people they're eager to, you know, start listening to Christmas music, do Christmas shopping, think Christmassy stuff yeah. in, in in early November. I think Totally. I, we have for the last 2 years put our tree and decorations up around halloween so it's like one one year we even had like halloween decor in the yard and as soon as you (laughs) walked in it's christmas (laughs) outside the house which i i thought was even a metaphor in some ways it's got the worldly outside and the spiritual
1: (laughs) i love how that's a metaphor for you Jared. see i I love that i love it
0: but we we so like every year we're so eager to get into it because i think we're trying to get out of the ordinariness of life. It's like, Oh, I guess I, I, you know, I want to feel that enchantment. I want to feel that specialness as soon as I can. And then you just mentioned like, by the time it comes, you're kind of like tired of it or you're ready to start, you know, putting things away or you're ready to kind of get beyond it. For me, it's, it's always been bittersweet. The, the week between Christmas and new years, because, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, especially when I was in vocational ministry, you know, when I was pastoring, um, for a lot of ministry leaders, the time leading up to Christmas is one of the most busy, stressful times because, you know, everything going on at the church, uh, you know, as well. Um, I'm sure for different pastors it's different, but for a lot of us, it was like, man, you're gearing up for multiple services and all these sorts of things. And then it was like, that's done. The week was like, it was sweet in the sense of, I could actually feel my tiredness now. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot going on. And I can just kind of relax now after Christmas. But now I am, I'm starting the year. I, I don't know that I've started a new year ever feeling rejuvenated, ever feeling like, right. yes, yeah. new year. I, I, I always feel like I'm crawling across January 1st, you know, just sort of limping uh, over there. I've never started a new year like, ah, new year, new me, man, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so there's a bit, there's a bitterness to it as well, which I think, I know, I know. to go back to your earlier, earlier point, when you mentioned all the traditions apart from Christ, um, you know, can be really a, a um, you know, a tentative or, or fragile, you know, sort of construction. I, I mean, I think that about church life, you know, oh, uh, yeah. or churches yeah. that, major in all of their traditions and structures and polity and everything else but don't have Christ at the center they've built up this experience that that doesn't have the the source of true power which is the good news of Jesus and it actually even if it gets big it's still very fragile isn't it I, yeah. you know, it's almost a parallel you know uh, experience there i think so yeah, yeah. Uh, you know recentering on what it is, you know, I don't want to reemploy the the cliche here, but uh, he is the reason for the season, is he not?
1: You know. <laughs> well, I think too, it's a great. I know you make a great point, but i I think it's um, I think it's okay to be let down a little bit. Okay. Okay. You know, and um, I think being let down is is helpful for us. And I, you know, I'm fighting every day of the year in the Christmas season to I'm I'm. I always talk talk to Melissa about like there is this Christmas feeling that over overcomes you at certain times of the season. Maybe not everybody, but it does me where it's just I don't know. Everything feels light and there is a feeling of hope in the air and it's 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 sort of fused with some level of nostalgia because it's reminding you of the good days from the past. And I don't, I can't wake up and just manufacture those moments. They just happen. And I don't, and they can happen in the most crazy of places. And with the, with the strangest people, like they can happen in places where it would feel anything. uh, It would, I mean, it doesn't even, you would wonder how it feels anything like Christmas, but somehow that feeling sort of overwhelms you. And I, and I'm always hoping for that. And you get a few of those days during the season and it's like, is there some way I can just maintain that? And there isn't. And there's always the inevitable letdown, which is like, ah, I just wish this Christmas could have been a little bit better. I wish things were a little bit different. I wish I wasn't carrying the level of stresses and concerns and cares that I am. And if I could just let it all go, but I, I can't seem to do that. And so I think that it's even that letdown, um, again, as the Lord has grown me, has just you know caused me to, again— I think, see things for what they are. It's a good thing to be disillusioned, right, in some ways, because you're not living under the all, under the false light of an illusion. And Christmas, really, I think it really helps us be reminded of, of that, you know. Um, we need to, you know, only Christ can give us that true re-enchantment, you know. And we have this moment in the year where some of it, if it doesn't happen, you know, in, internally, it happens externally and you know, we're, 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 um, we're hoping for something that may or may not come. And it's kind of like kids hoping they get that gift and they're just (laughs) on edge until Christmas day. And I, you know, there's a tension there and I think it just speaks to life. It just literally Christmas speaks to our lives and how we're going to live our lives over the next year. And, you know, hopefully it's something that, um, you know, when we experience that letdown, God uses it to say, Hey, it, it's because those things do let you down, Yeah. you know, and I, and, you know, I don't know, I'm a romantic. So, you know, I've, I've, re- God has really had to do some work on me over the years. <laughs> I, just, I just tend to lean so hard that way. And, um, but it's been, it's been toward my sanctification that he's done that. And so it's, it's been good. It's been good. I'm but I still, you know, I I I'm still so excited going into it every year even knowing that I'm going to I'm experience some of those letdowns.
0: Yeah. It you know, it reminds me of the the CS Lewis line about, you know, if we find ourselves, you know, um, you know, seeking things that that don't satisfy us in this world, it's it's an indication that um, you know, our, our hearts were made for another world or for you know, I'm I'm butchering yes. the quote, but essentially no, no, that let it. you know that letdown you know, isn't a sign that the letdown is eternal. It's a sign that the greater fulfillment is yet to come. You know, we we're waiting for the second advent and the eternal Christmas. You know, the real yes. eternal. Uh, you know, the new heavens and the new earth where everything is uh, you know,
1: everything sad comes untrue. I guess to and maybe to yeah, so, and maybe just no, that's a great quote. And I I just I always wonder, hey, when we when we're finally in glory with Jesus. Is this this momentary, like that Christmassy feeling that I that I get <laughs> that that is captured for me in just on all of, in all of these little pockets? I can only imagine um, something you know unfathomable that that that's just a hint of that I will be overwhelmed with for all of eternity. And I think what we're tapping into is just this thing called joy. And so if it gives me a hint of the joy that is to come, then it's worth it every year, even though it's mingled with with, you know, just the letdown because of our human fragility, but it's worth it. It's worth yeah. it. And that's why I love it. That's good stuff.
0: Hey, um, let me end with this bonus question. This was actually <laughs> given, uh, uh, I'm doing a a mailbag episode. We do oh, a yeah. feature on here called the, uh, for the church mailbag uh, with Ronnie Kurtz. And we take questions and somebody asked about Santa Claus, you know, mm. parents do Santa Claus. And I thought, I'm going to save that for Mr. Christmas himself. And we'll do it on the <laughs> Christmas episode. Uh, Which I think maybe comes out, I don't don't know when it comes out, the day after Christmas. So, you know, you may be telling parents that they blew it this year. We'll find out. (laughs) Uh, Thoughts on Christian families doing Santa Claus? Uh, Is it, you know, yay, nay? If yay, how do you do it? You know, those sorts of things.
1: Yeah, I, gosh, I I just. Did you guys do Santa Claus growing up? My parents did Santa until they came to Jesus and then they stopped. Okay. Okay. Jesus killed Santa. I love it. Jesus killed Santa. And, um, but I remember believing in Santa and I remember I was, it was, I was old enough to, I remember the Santa days and then I remember the post Santa days and, you know, we, it was still post Santa days were still great, but, um, they just, you know, they had that 1970s conviction that, you know, somehow Santa was going to replace Jesus. I don't think Santa Claus has to replace Jesus. (laughs) I think there's a way to incorporate Santa, the way we incorporate any tradition like that without pulling away from, you know, making Christ central in it. So I, I think, I think parents just have to go with their conscience on this. I mean, it can be a really fun tradition to incorporate Santa and allow your kids to see it for what it is, but also center Santa around Christ in some unique ways and let them enjoy both. Um, Not all parents are going to be able to do that. Some parents are going to have a conviction about not doing that. I've met parents that do a great job at somehow um, incorporating Santa in into a very Christ-centered Christmas, and their kids love it. And they're, you know, they, they haven't, you know, they're they're not in any danger of losing their salvation because, you know, the the big guy, you know, with the red suit is <laughs> is a part of it. So yeah,
0: well, you know, I've, I'm sure that that has happened. I'm sure there's somebody who would say. When I found out there wasn't a Santa, I felt betrayed <laughs> by my parents and right. it made me question all the, what they taught me about Jesus, et cetera, et cetera. But by and large, most people I know who grew up believing in Santa did not have crisis of faith when they discovered Santa. I mean I grew up believing Santa was real. My cousin told me he wasn't at some point. I don't remember how old I was. Probably seven yeah. or- 6 or 7. Um and I just was like, oh, oh, all right. I mean, I'm still getting the presents every year, right? I mean, there wasn't like a <laughs> I didn't have a major crisis of faith. We did Santa with our kids. I guess I would give two guidelines for those who are inclined to do it. It it's a form of make believe in in which the there's two ways it can go wrong. One is if you turn Santa into a godlike character. So like we never yeah. said to our kids, "Hey, Santa's watching you." And right. you know you you don't want to be on the naughty list like we never did naughty list nice list we never sure. did be good or Santa's not going to bring you presents we we didn't do any of that so we didn't legal, you know we didn't turn it into a legalism or a moralism type thing it was just about the you know uh, make believe festivity of of the of the season and then that's and that's the other key I think if 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 parents are centering on Christ 365 yeah. days of the year talking about Santa coming and bringing presents for, you know, 25 days out of that year or or even fewer isn't going to have a, a huge detrimental effect on on your kids. My you know, uh, when my kids discovered Santa wasn't real, there were no huge issues. They saw it as mom and dad were were playing pretend with us. And yeah, it was an extended game of make believe. Um, other people's mileage may vary, of course. But th- those That's are the two cautions that I would give, you know, is, is don't yeah, turn just, him into a
1: godlike thing. You know, Yeah, for sure. But playing yeah. make believe, I, I think we have just, you know, because the culture in some ways has deified them. It, it like what you just said really well. It doesn't mean we have to do that, and because we we play make believe with our kids in a thousand other ways, right? And so Santa can just be one of those ways that we like to play make believe, yeah. and if it if it adds some richness and some, I think, potential nostalgia, which we talked about nostalgia before, it can be a good thing or it can be an unhealthy thing. Yeah, but it it, it can also create some healthy nostalgia you know, for, for them later in life, especially when they have their own kids, but it's a conscience issue. I get it. Um, I, I think sometimes we're a little too sensitive about these things as believers and we need to exhale and, um, you know, breathe out a little bit, um, on it. So, yeah, yeah, that's good
0: brother. It's been great talking with you. I, I I guess I'll, I'll, you know, conclude with this. What is the one present you hope that you get this year? (laughs) What do you hope in case big M is, is listening?
1: Uh, What do you
0: hope? What do you hope
1: is under that tree? I'm telling you, man. I there's always a pair of shoes that I'm wanting Christmas time, and I'm just always hoping that somebody gets me that pair of shoes. And I'm kind of is it a specific pair of shoes? It is. I always put it on like my. It's the one thing I put on like my Amazon gift list or whatever. And you never get it? No, no. I usually get it. Okay, all right, it, all right. I usually get it. Some, you know, um, my daughter bought me this pair of shoes a couple of years ago that are awesome. i st- I still wear them all the time. But I'm, that's what I'm always hoping for because I love shoes. It's like, oh, I found a pair I really want, and I hope I get them. So shoes, that's the gift.
0: Awesome. Look, <laughs> well, there's a song about Christmas shoes. I, yeah, I know maybe, that. M- maybe you've heard of it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's well, only I, the
0: worst song of all time. Not I know. even the worst Christmas song. It's the worst song of
1: the all worst time. song of all time. Besides yeah. "Mary, Did You Know"? Yeah.
0: No, was, that one's. I mean, compared to <laughs> "Christmas Shoes," "Mary, Did You Know?" is like I don't know. It's like it's like the Christmas. She loves song? you by the Beatles. Yeah, I mean, it's like <laughs> "Blackbird." It's McCartney and Lennon's best. Right, gotcha. Yeah, it's it's the best. It's uh it's you know, Beethoven's fifth compared to Christmas I, I'm totally with you. And I'm
1: and I'm also happy to I'm also happy to talk with you every year about Christmas. I'm I'm also happy to be the second Ronnie in your life, the not as important Ronnie in your life. I'm yeah. I'm good with that. I'm totally yeah. good with that.
0: Yeah. No, it's it's all right. Well the other Ronnie's leaving me. So we we'll, so wait, uh, am I gonna am I gonna you're,
1: you're, be gonna, you're
0: gonna be, to be number, number one Ronnie one. in my life.
1: Now that Kurtz has gone on to greener pastures. Well, he doesn't spell his name correctly anyway, so we'll you know we'll let that one go. That's but, true. Uh, yeah. All right. Hey, man, thanks for talking to me about Christmas. Yep. Merry Christmas.
0: <laughs> Merry Christmas to all of our listeners. If you enjoy the podcast, please give us a good review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And until next time, may Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church Podcast, hosted by Jared Wilson, found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.